Jimmy's world famous roster countdown continues. And this time we have one of the transfers. Which one is it? We'll let you know. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. I'll tell you about LinkedIn here in just a little bit. But right now, we're going to talk about Jimmy's world-famous roster countdown, which rolls on uh, here at this time of year, every year. And uh, we're going to start off with one Naquil Bertrand, or Bertrand. How are we saying that? Uh, I'm also saying Naquil. Is that right? Naquil? I don't know. I haven't maybe, met him. maybe maybe it's because he blocks people so well he puts them to puts sleep. Them to sleep, I like it. Let's go with Naquil then. But I I, I don't. Because you know what? Our roster, the, the official University of Alabama roster, has a pronunciation thing for those that don't know that. You can go to the University of Alabama football roster at RollTide.com, and there is a uh, a little insignia next to some players' names, and if you click on it, you get a pronunciation out loud of the name. And uh, I, I don't know if they got one up for him because he just got here, but that, that's one we need to check out for sure. <laughs> I've been going with Naquil Bertrand, but I, I don't, I don't know. I do I know that makes more sense. It's N-A-Q-U-I-L um, transfer from Texas A&M 6-6. I mean, he's listed at 340. I mean, do you think he's that big right now from Philadelphia originally loves a cheesesteak apparently? What do you think? <laughs> Uh, I'm sure he's huge. I don't have an exact, I'm sure, you know, that roster, I, I wonder if that's probably something they borrow from the A&M roster, the initial size, I would guess they wouldn't. And, and people are, get so confused about that roster thing. There, there's no one with the media guy that stands there next to the heights and weights. I mean, it's just sort of told to them what to put down, but, uh, but anyway, uh, here's the deal about Naquil. There are only four tackles on the roster right now. And uh, we, we can assume that we will pick up a tackle or two in the spring portal. But for now, we haven't done that yet. So for now, in spring practice, there are four tackles, which is the minimum number you need, I think, to get through a spring practice, to be honest. We need to keep them healthy. But uh, the four tackles are Elijah Pritchett, Miles McVeigh, Wilkin Formby, and Naquil Bertrand, those four guys. And uh, unless we move someone, those are the four tackles. Only Pritchett has played. So Bertrand is actually a pretty important player. I have him well down the rankings, and some of it's because we don't know him very well, and he didn't play at all during his freshman year at AM. He was actually a late arrival over there. Uh, I'm sure that contributed to him not playing at all in the fall. But, Luke, uh, Elijah Pritchett's played. The other three have not. But if we don't add one from the portal, one of these three redshirt freshmen will be a starter in the fall. Maybe McVeigh, maybe Formby, maybe this kid. And we shouldn't rule out that it could be Bertrand, just in the sense that he's from somewhere else. He would have to beat out McVeigh and Formby, neither of whom have played yet. Uh, he's a big, big kid. Uh, obviously, you know, we saw some practice tape, which is why we in invited him for, for and, and, and offered him a spot. We saw practice tape practicing against that elite defensive line AM has. Plus, it's easy to guess Nick Saban would have called his buddy Jimbo Fisher and, and asked him about, about this kid, like, hey, should I should I take him? And, and obviously got the stamp of approval to do so. 
Uh, I think he's really interesting. He's huge. Uh, his uh, In terms of he wasn't a premier recruit coming out of school, that may have been academic-related. Um, I, I don't know really what to think of this guy. I, I'm just not assuming too much either way. Uh, you say he would um... – Nick Saban would have called his buddy. I mean, do you think Jimbo would be like, I'm going to show him this guy sucks and I'm going to tell him uh, he's awesome. I mean, ever since that last little brouhaha they were in, I mean, I'm just, again, I'm not saying he sucks. I'm just saying it seems a little odd that, that you would say Nick Saban was call his buddy. And I'm like, are they still buddies? I don't, I don't know. Are they? Yeah, I would imagine that they are, but I think I read recently that Jimbo Fisher says him and Nick have not talked in a while, <laughs> but uh, I, I did see, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there was some level of communication as it relates to this, because it makes all the sense in the world as to, uh, you know, as they should talk about this. I mean, this is exactly the sort of thing they need to talk about. Uh, I mean, in the sense that Bertrand, I mean, Jimbo is going to know this kid uh, backwards and forwards and the kid's a bit of a mystery. Alabama did not recruit him out of high school. We basically recruited him out of his, red shirt season practice tape, you know, at college station. It, it's a really weird situation when you think about it that way. But on the other hand, I don't assume too much one way or the other. I, I, anyone making giant assumptions about this kid is great. How do you know that this kid's terrible? How do you know that? I mean, I mean, again, th- this is, this is in all logic, a, a mystery kid, but the Saban staff, they, they weren't, they didn't give away spots. There, there, there's, there's good reason they took him. Uh, but you know, there's a reason, put it this way. This is the best way to sum it up in term. I think Pritchett's one starter for right now. The other starting spot would be between McVeigh, Formby and Bertrand. And of the three, I rank Bertrand the lowest, but that's because I know less about him. I just know more about Miles McVeigh and Wilkin Formby because we recruited them for quite a while. And, and, and I've, you know, they've been around. I kind of know more of them. Yeah, and you – I mean, again, I'm not trying to be negative about this at all because I, I do like the kid. I mean, when you, you – you always walk a fine line when you're talking about these kids you know very little about, especially somebody that uh, we didn't really recruit out of high school. And all we can go on is, hey, we we are willing to bet they saw some tape on him as a redshirt freshman. We're willing to bet that. Um, we also like that he's huge. And that he's from Philadelphia, a notoriously tough area. So, I mean, th- those are all positive things you can just sort of pull out of thin air, right? Yeah, Barmore's but, from Philadelphia. He's pretty good. But, again, yeah. that's that's not specifically related to this kid. I wouldn't call Philadelphia necessarily a recruiting football hotbed, though. No, no. Um, it's a basketball for some reason. Yeah. You would think there would be more football players. I mean, yeah. it's a but, massive population area. But, you know, you also said something that that struck me. You said, well, Nick Saban just doesn't hand out scholarships. And I agree with you for the most part. I look at this situation, and before Bertrand comes here, we don't – I mean, Saban probably knew, well, we only going to have about three guys. So yeah. maybe th- yeah. in this case he's like, I'm willing to sacrifice some of the unknowns I don't know for a guy who's huge and just let's all cross our fingers. Now let's also say that maybe at the time Saban had a different plan. Maybe he was thinking I'll get somebody out of the portal. Maybe he was not sure that uh, Caden Proctor was a hundred percent leaving, even though it seems like the writing was on the wall for that. 
So I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not down on Bertrand. I'm glad we got him. But boy, it it scares me more that we're going to be counting on him. We might be count. We might be yeah. counting on him with only four guys, and 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 we need two starters from the four the guys. You got two tackles on the red team, two tackles on the white team for a day. Yeah, for the whole game. I mean, obviously there'll be some walk-ons, uh, but but we we also don't have a lot of people think, oh, there's endless walk-ons. We don't really have a lot. You don't have a lot of walk-ons at some spots. And one position you don't have a lot of walk-ons is tackle, just simply because good luck finding those guys, I mean, yeah. who are willing to go to school for free, who can block SEC pass rushers. I mean, I mean it's, it's just kind of hard to find walk-on tackles who are even, I, I don't know, even, even adequate maybe is the best way to put it. Here's one more point about Bertram we should mention. I do know at the time we took him, and let's keep in mind we took him before Caden Proctor left. Uh, but but let's remember this: Alabama was very optimistic that they were going to land Favor Edwin, the tackle from Atlanta. He was a strong Alabama lean, and Alabama really thought they had him. And then very late in the process, he ended up getting better offers than we anticipated. I guess is the way to put that. <laughs> and and he ended up choosing I think Auburn o- over Alabama. Favor was always going to be a developmental guy, a guy that like, okay, we're bringing in a guy who's raw. It's going to take some development. But after a couple of years, we think he might really be something. I know they took Naquil Bertrand on the heels of, oh, we just lost Favor Edwin. He was sort of replacing this developmental prospect that they were hoping to get from the Atlanta area. So I think even though they took Bertrand, I think they knew at the time, hey, this guy might take a year or two, but we think he's got Sunday Ability. This is a Sunday upside guy. Just might take a while, but it was going to take a while with the other guy. So uh, that's why I think they took him. Uh, he wasn't taken because it's like, oh, here's a starting tackle in 2024. Uh, I, that's that's not why they, they took him specifically. So that's why I think expectations should be a little low for this year. But as Luke points out, <laughs> this kid is second team by default uh, day one. You know, so he'll be a starter on a day for at least the, uh, I guess it's the Crimson team is the uh, number two offense, um, or, or that's what's been in the past. By the way, we might have a whole new A-Day format with the new staff. Yeah. We have, probably haven't talked about that enough. I mean, if you remember, Mike Price put all the starters on one team and yeah. then all the non-starters on another team and one like the Starters won 47 to nothing, and everybody was fired up. And it was a horrible, dumb. rainy day, if I remember right. That's a dumb way to do it. I mean, I'm going to say the same thing. If DeBoer does like, the same thing, I'm going to say it's dumb. I mean, that's, it's, that it's, sounds like something a guy who you, wore a members only jacket when that's a schmedium wore when he stepped off the plane to come to Tuscaloosa. That's exactly what he did. So it sounds like a guy who'd use a company I mean, credit card. What do you get out of You only trip. get 15 practices in the spring. In my mind, that's a wasted day a wasted practice, at least under Saban's format. It was a real competitive game and, yeah. and, and, and teams the, the teams were trying to win and they're playing against like talent. The ones played against the ones, the twos played against the twos and, and it made for a competitive game. And I think you get something out of it. Um, I get it a little bit. To- I get it in the sense that maybe he was like, I want my starters to come in with some confidence. And so maybe if we beat the heck out of these seventh graders, you know, maybe they'll feel better, but whatever. Uh, Jimmy, I need to tell everybody about LinkedIn. Sure. 
Worst segue ever. <laughs> when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even that much easier and quicker. 2.5 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions, uh, they're going to apply. Let's move on to the next one on your list. That is Jaleel Hurley. Uh, this is a guy that I think, boy, maybe it, Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I should feel about him the way I feel about Bertrand. But I feel better about Hurley contributing. I think he's an incredible athlete um, from the state of Alabama. So maybe I've gotten to see him a little bit more than I would have seen a guy from Philadelphia that went to Texas A&M that we didn't recruit the first time around. They didn't play for A&M, essentially, you know, getting minutes at least. So uh, I feel pretty good about Jaleel Hurley. In fact, Jimmy, I'm going <laughs> to feel like I'm calling you out like, uh, I, I need to be called. I feel out like he's times. low. I feel like he's low. Yeah, he might be low, and and this is the number one reason he might be low. Uh, the the DB room just got wrecked by attrition. I mean, the DB uh, group as a whole is wrecked. And as much as we're talking about, there's four tackles. In terms of guys returning to the team that have either practiced or played college football, there are just two cornerbacks. Damani Jackson and Jaleel Hurley. And Damani played at Southern Cal and Jaleel just redshirted. Every other cornerback right now on the team is a true freshman. And, and that, that's a good group. I mean, in Bachway, Xavier Brown, uh, Zay Mincy, uh, you know, th- there's good players there. Uh, but in terms of guys who are veterans, Damani Jackson, who played somewhere else, and Jaleel Hurley, who redshirted. Who played somewhere so else that, who has a bad defense, by the way. <laughs> correct, correct. And he is the veteran star of the cornerback group, you know, right now. So I may have Hurley way too low just in the sense that we may be talking about a starting cornerback on the 2024 football team. I think that is very, very possible. Now, I don't believe that's going to happen. I mean, if you're like, okay, what do you really think is going to happen in corner? I think they're going to sign – a kid or two out of the portal in the spring that will be a starter. That's what I think is going to happen. I also think these freshmen, true freshmen, may prove to be the freaks we need. Jalen Abakwe may be an immediate starter. Zabian Brown could be an immediate starter. Zay Mincy could be an immediate starter. I, my guess is one of those three is just going to be ready, just out of uh, odds dictate one of the three will be because any any of the three could be, maybe all three are. But uh, Jaleel Hurley, uh, redshirted, not a lot of buzz. Just to be honest, there wasn't a lot of buzz about him in the fall. In other words, we do have sources. We do talk to people that are uh, with the team and at practice all the time. And Hurley's not a name we heard a lot in terms of like, 
hey, watch out for this dude. And we, we, as we get further down the countdown and, and talk more about red shirts that are ranked higher, there was buzz about, about some of these guys. But Hurley, not so much. Now, some of it could be the position. Saban didn't substitute a lot at cornerback. Saban's hard on his cornerbacks. Uh, but, but Hurley was a, a top-notch prospect. I loved him as a prospect. Still love that he's on the team and has a chance here. But, yeah, I may have him ranked too low, Luke, in the sense that it is conceivable this is a starting cornerback versus Western Kentucky in 2024. I think you made a great – I was hoping you wouldn't make this point so I could look smart, but uh, you brought up the, the position. When you got Terry on Arnold on one side, who was a first-team All-American by some folks, you got Kool-Aid, who was a first-team All-American by some folks on the other side, both of them were first or second team by just about everybody. That would be the one I, I swear, other than kicker or punter, I would think we would hear the least amount of buzz about cornerback because you're right, Saban doesn't sub a ton of cornerbacks. Uh, he let he has two of the best in the country and he lets them play a lot, and uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but you know, you we've heard some other stuff about. You know, we heard about other things about center, or for instance, because we had center issues. So we were like, what's going on at center? Um, and so it seems like we talked about who else could play center a lot. But when you don't have any problems at cornerback, or we had problems at quarterback for some folks, not for me, but for some folks. And um, and I'm not implicating you on that one, I swear. Um, but uh, so some people would like to hear about quarterback. Plus, you always like to hear about quarterback. Running backs, we've been doing a platoon system since Derrick Henry, it feels like. I mean, Najee Harris, maybe not so much. But um, wide receiver, of course, use a lot of receivers, and none of them really had fantastic years this year. So we were talking about all them. But when your corners are so good and both All-Americans, yeah, you're probably not going to hear it like, yeah, we got this one guy who's going to be better than Kool-Aid or Terion. Really? We do? Um, and if you have a limited time with a source, it's not going to be a question at the top of your list either. You know, exactly. if you only got a handful of questions to ask or things to find out, you're, you're not like, okay, tell me about the corners at the bottom of the depth chart because yeah. <laughs> there's never going to play. So that's, that's part of it. But uh, man, I loved Hurley as a prospect. Hey, one thing I was right. I'll, I'll uh, pat myself on the back here. There was a lot of talk, even amongst coaches that Hurley would, would ultimately project play safety. I, I was adamant that he was a corner the whole time. I, I, I was the tape I watch. I'm like, this is a cornerback. This guy needs to stick at corner and stay at corner. And maybe I shouldn't congratulate myself this early in his career. But, but so far, I'm right. A lot of people thought he would be a, a safety in short order. Uh, but no, he, he's he's stuck the whole year at corner and is still a corner now going into year two. Hope he's a corner this year, and I hope he's a good one. Uh, because I'll tell you something, he's the kind of kid I want to bet on. If you want to bet on something else, let's bet on FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Boy, I know Zach's going to kill me for some of these segues today. Happy Super Bowl week to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl week is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. You can bet on the coin toss. You can bet on the length of the national anthem. You can bet on a lot of stuff with FanDuel. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or several Ws. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, how many catches so-and-so makes, how many times they show uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, one right to the other, all that stuff, and so much more. 
New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, which is an official partner of the NFL. So next time on the podcast, we're going to talk about Will Conformby when it comes to your countdown. But I figure we'll save this segment. This is going to be our traditional third segment right now we're going to save for basketball. Like, Because, man, I'm so proud of this team. And I know I know you guys love football so much, and that's what we love talking to. But this team's so good. Let me, let me – I'm going to give some props to one of your posters there on um, on Bama Online. Okay? I found something that was very Excellent. interesting. This, this came from huge – E-U-G Dan. Huge Dan? Or is it like uh, I, know, I know the poster. I mean, I know like of I know European of the Union G Dan. Uh, never never asked him, but uh this is a pretty smart guy. Okay. He said, look, here's some things we also need to figure out, you know, not figure out, but think about when it comes to the team seems to be peaking right now. And these things get I mean, in the summer we talk about them. This is what's so funny. In the summer, when you see an injury or something. You're like, okay, it may take him through middle of the year to get better and, and really get in the system. But it in the moment when the season comes, we're like, why and so and so better? And you don't even bring up the fact that he had to get over that injury. When we talked about it just a few minutes ago, I mean, a few months ago, and I, I use we as collectively, not Jimmy and me necessarily, but he, he brought this up. Wagi had foot surgery in the summer. Dabute had knee surgery in the summer. Stevenson should be a high school senior. Now, we have talked about that. And there is a different mental and physical strength required in college and the SEC, gaining strength and confidence, et cetera. True. Now, on top of that, you got three brand-new coaches. Uh, one of the broadcasters on the show the other night said, I've never heard of three assistants all getting D1 jobs yeah. um, the same year. Yeah, like Highly unusual. Very unusual. He said, I just never heard of it. So you have eight new players, three new coaches, the toughest pre-SEC schedule known to mankind to identify strengths, weaknesses, and roles, and gelling at the right time. He's absolutely correct. And there was something else that I saw. This came from Jordan Harper at Harper Nation 24. And this is just a shout-out to Nate Oates. He says, Nate Oates has coached 156 games while at Alabama and has a record of 108 and 48. Of the 108 wins, 70 of them have come by double digits. That's 65% of them. Two of them have become have come by more than fifty points or more. Now, okay, that that's I don't know who I don't remember who they were against, and they probably weren't great teams, but it doesn't matter. That's pretty awesome. One was against Vanderbilt last year, right? Didn't we? I think you're right about that. Now, and one of them probably should have been against LSU that time we lit up the scoreboard in Baton Rouge, but whatever. That's cool. Um, my point is, I think that's a very good observation that everybody's like, man, where's Wagi been all year? You know, why ain't he been doing this all year? And we just completely leave out the fact, oh, yeah, we all talked about his summer surgery and how it may take him a little bit longer to get into uh, the the rhythm of the team. And now he's getting into it. And they also apparently um, uh, showed Diabute some tape of uh, Draymond Green. I hope like on the court tape, not fighting yeah. his own teammates yeah. tape. Yeah. And, um, Draymond at Cobra Kai. Beating up a bunch of kids. Yeah. If, if Diabuti had come in and been like, hey, Coach, I, I did just like you said on the tape. What would you do? Oh, I beat up three kids on the way over here. Isn't that right? Because they said something about a lawsuit. Sure. Um, but anyway, this team is really coming together well. Uh, and it's going to be 
the schedule coming up is boy, I thought the schedule at the beginning of the year was bad. I mean, this how does this happen to us? The back half of this schedule is it is really hard. And we may I, I'll be the wet blanket. We may not win the league because yeah. the back of the schedule is so hard. I where, mean, where, I mean, are the, I, where are the it's tough? Tell me the free wins in this lineup the at Auburn, at LSU, Texas AM, Florida at home, at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, Tennessee at home, at Florida, Arkansas. The only free win to me is Arkansas March 9th, and I really don't consider that a free win because by then they may be a totally different team. They, they're still probably not going to be very good, but they, Arkansas just, you know, they, they, they've they got a lot of talent. And, um, you know, it, it was sort of like, um, you know, Alabama in, in 2000 in football when, look, if, if that team ever showed – you remember that team beat Ole Miss that year? We had no business beating Ole Miss that year, and we beat them. I mean, we were awful. Like, why, why are we beating y'all? Um, and uh, so what I'm saying is Arkansas could do this because we had talent. Arkansas could do the same thing because because they have mm-hmm. talent. But at LSU is no give to me. I mean, that's no, not that's not a that's not, not a gimme win for anyone. I mean, we might win. We'll even probably win. But that's not a gimme. There's no gimmies there. Maybe like you said, the home game against Arkansas. Any home game, not including the Tennessee game, we could even be an underdog in the in the home game against Tennessee. We should win the other home games, but when I say we should, should should just means I, I believe we'll be favored to win. Uh, the, all the road games are are really difficult, and and at Auburn and at Kentucky, I mean, yeah, if well, you win those games, you are going to win the SEC. You're, if, if you're we, right. If, if you win those games, you probably can make it to the Final Four. To be honest, if we win at Auburn Wednesday night, okay, I'm. I've already bought tickets to the Final Four because I'm taking my son to the Final Four because he's in Phoenix and he goes to Arizona State. I will buy more tickets to the Final Four. <laughs> I don't I don't think we're winning Wednesday night. There's no shame in that. Like I said, when we beat Auburn in, in Tuscaloosa, hey, that mean that guarantees a split. And I, I think that you know that's good because I think Auburn's a good team. Um they're gonna be geeked up, you know, on goofballs uh come Wednesday night, they're gonna be ready to rock. I th- honestly people may think I'm nuts. I think it's gonna be a heck of a lot easier to win at Kentucky than it's gonna be to win at Auburn. People yeah, are winning at Kentucky. Kentucky won't be regularity. at the mouth. Kentucky's uh, Kentucky won't be foaming at the mouth to beat us like Auburn will. And I'll give Auburn a ton of credit for this, Luke. This is one thing Auburn is really good at. When they get up to play Alabama, they play well. They they they, they do a good job of playing well in in those tight games. And yeah. I, I fully expect the Auburn A game on Wednesday. Uh, that's what I expect to see, and I think the Auburn A game is really tough to beat Neville Arena. And uh, like me and you said the last show, and I'd stick to it. And yeah, I don't think Alabama's going to win. I also would not pick UConn to win at Auburn yeah. on Wednesday, and I think UConn's going to win the NCAA tournament. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for chiming in and subscribing and listening and sending messages. And there have been some folks send me some things to do in Tahoe, and I appreciate you guys a ton. Uh, You guys are the best. We love you, and roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.